I just want to say that you have got to be the most insipid, ridiculously idiotic, moronic person I've ever heard on any form of media. Exiled by Society. Friends, lovers, and terrestrial radio. A guy with literally nothing left to lose. For 15 years, he's been telling it like it is. This is the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. weather continues. It is incredibly windy out there right now. So as long as we can get this recorded, get this in, thanks for joining me. If you hear the roof suddenly get ripped off, that would make for a very interesting radio, that's for sure. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show. Yeah, it's a little bit windy outside. I believe I just saw a sofa fly by the, the window here. October 20th, 2015, the day that I was told was doomsday for the economy. I was told that today, today or November 4th, these were the two days I heard, uh, that we were going to have this huge economic collapse, a huge economic downturn. The stock market was going to go into the toilet today. And that uh, we would all be standing in line at soup kitchens everywhere by tomorrow because we would all be penniless broke. And everything would be in chaos. That's what I heard. I heard that and uh, I saw it on social media. I was told by people IRL that it would happen. And to all of you people, as I sit here, it's almost the closing bell on Wall Street for the day. So unless it happens in the next, let's see, what time is it right now? Unless it happens within the next 15 minutes... I uh, don't think we're going to have a big collapse. It could. It could. There's still, listen, there's still 15 minutes. I could wind up having egg all over my face on this. Or it could happen tomorrow, and then you'll say, I told you so. Or it'll, it'll happen next week, and you'll still say, I told you so. Or it'll happen on November 4th. See, what? it's kind of like people that predict gloom and doom are eventually going to be right. Just like people that say, well, there will be a terrorist attack in the United States. Well, when? Uh, eventually. Okay, well, when? Well, it's maybe tomorrow. Okay, well, eventually there will be another terrorist attack. Eventually there will be another war with another country. Eventually bad things are going to happen. Eventually I'm going to die. If you predict tomorrow will be the day you die, Mike, well, it might not be, but eventually you're going to be right. So, yes, sooner or later when you make predictions of gloom and doom, you are going to be correct eventually. But I just want to say for today, for this October 20th, 2015, you uh, gloom and doom types and the people that I saw on social media that were convinced, convinced because they read on some site someplace or heard someplace because they never admit that they read it on a site, by the way. The, uh, the conspiracy people, they never admit that they read it on a website. They always say, I have a friend in Washington or I have a friend in, uh, I have a friend on Park Avenue who says, or I have a friend in uh, Wall Street, blah, blah, blah. I, I have an insider, an inside source, like they're media people. I have an inside source that says, and so I always hear this. 
And I'm like, well, what did they say? Well, they said that it's going to happen. And I'm like, well, why? What's the basis? Well, because I, there's a lot of stuff that's going on, a lot of inner working stuff and a lot of secret stuff. I'm like, well, give me something specific. Well, there's a lot of economies that are that are in uh, bad shape right now. And I'm like, okay, well, okay, so there's been bad economies forever. Did, did you look at what's going on in Europe? Have you seen what's been going on in Europe, especially Greece and Spain? Have you seen what's been going on there for the last... God, what, five, six years now? No. <laughs> you have to give me something. I'm willing to buy into any good conspiracy theory, okay? I really am. I'm not a conspiracy theorist by trade. Uh, I need proof. I need evidence. I need something to hang my hat on before I'm all in with it. But, or at least before I entertain it. But if you give me something, something I can sink my teeth into, I'm really good with it. But so far, I haven't heard any good reason why this is going to happen other than because reasons. And because reasons doesn't work, that's like, well, that's like half of the GOP platform. Uh, because reasons. Okay, well, I need more than that. Sorry, guys. In any event, I'm sure the Dow Jones of the stock market is going to take a downturn eventually. Because, let's be honest, the economy is not doing that well. The economy is not super strong right now. It is being held up basically on the purse strings of... Uh, the very, very upper echelon. Um, there's a lot of people that do still have money in it. And the 401ks, they're doing a lot better. And so people think the economy is going very well. But the jobless rate is still very high. So there certainly are reasons for concern in the stock market. And don't get me wrong. I know that there's going to be a, a point where the Dow is just going to come crashing down like a house of cards. That's going to happen. It's going to fall a 1,000 or three or 5,000 points uh, eventually because it has done that historically and it seems to do that every few years so of course we're going to have a, a big drop off eventually and you know when uh, I'm sure it's going to happen within the next year or two so I've also heard conspiracy theorists say that it's going to take a fall next summer uh, just in time for the presidential election and that will almost ensure that a Republican gets in because, of course, there's a Democrat in office now and the Republican will take advantage of that, blah, blah, blah. We'll see. Uh, I've heard all sorts of crazy things about that. Who knows how valid they are? But um, I don't know. Anyway, welcome in. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. Sure to appreciate you checking us out on that happy note. Groffshow at gmail.com. That is our email address. You can send in all of your conspiracy theories or if you want to yell at me or if you think I'm an idiot, that's also fine. I've certainly heard a little of that in the last couple of days or a few days in the email. Groffshow at gmail.com. Michael Groff on Twitter and michaelgroff.com for everything else Michael Groff related. Eventually, maybe uh, on today's show... Uh, we'll get into some of the comments I've received lately. Uh, some people taking me to task for various things, including uh, what I was talking about with climate change last week when we were talking about the Democratic national debate and Bernie Sanders talking about climate change. Uh, a couple other people think I'm an idiot for, well, there's just a lot of reasons. People think I'm an idiot for a lot of reasons, so don't, don't think you're alone if you're out there right now going, man, what a dumbass. I know. I've heard it for 15 years doing this show, and yet I'm still here. So you fire your slings and arrows at will. Meanwhile, um, I want to get this out of the way real fast. A quick PSA to our local media here in Phoenix. Now, 
this especially applies to the sports media, but I'm going to just paint broad brush paint strokes here with the entire media here in town. I understand that there is excitement about the Arizona Cardinals. They have been relevant for the last few years. They are doing pretty well. Uh, You have a coach in Bruce Arians that seems to kind of have a clue. He's a pretty good coach. But let's not anoint the Cardinals Super Bowl champions yet. Could we just stop with that? Could we stop talking about the Arizona Cardinals as if they've already won the damn Super Bowl or as if it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to the Super Bowl? Could we stop, please? Look, and the reason I say this is not just because I'm tired of hearing about it at the start of every season or even in the preseason on sports talk shows everywhere. I'm t- It's not even that I'm tired of hearing the rah-rah and the pumping up of the organization and the false excitement that happens every year and has happened every year since the team has been here, even in the terrible years, which were most of them. It's mainly because... I know that they are. They they started out the season three and zero. They were amazing. They blew out teams. You, you know they were what uh, the first three games they won by an average of twenty five points a game. Got it. It's exciting. Uh, at the same time, uh, they just played on on Sunday. I don't know if you watched the game on Sunday, the Arizona Cardinals Pittsburgh Steelers game. The Cardinals literally lost to a third string quarterback that had never thrown a pass in the NFL before. Guy Landry Jones of the Steelers comes off the bench for the injured Michael Vick, who was playing for the injured Ben Roethlisberger. Landry Jones came in and took apart this vaunted Arizona Cardinal defense, this defense that everybody had talked about is this is a Super Bowl caliber defense. Well, I'm sorry, but a Super Bowl caliber defense does not lose to a third string quarterback that has never thrown a pass in the NFL. And not only did he picked them apart. Not only did the Steelers and Landry Jones destroy the Cardinals on Sunday, 25-13, to 13, but they did so despite the fact that in the first half of that game, the Steelers had exactly five passing yards. Five. They threw for five passing yards in the first 30 minutes of football. Just let that sink in. And... Um, so the se- in the second half, they torched the Cardinals, and Landry Jones threw, he had the fourth highest passer rating of any quarterback that's ever played against the Cardinals. And you're going to sit here and try and sell me on the idea, Mr. Sports Talk Show host, that this team is a legitimate Super Bowl contender? No. Do you know what teams that kind of thing wouldn't happen to? Yeah, the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, the... New England Patriots, you know, the only two good teams in the NFL right now. And not just good. I mean, they're the only two great teams in the NFL. The Cardinals, hey, look, uh, when they play against crappy teams like the Bears or the Saints or the 49ers, yeah, they do very well. They do very well against crappy opponents. So, great. They run up the score against the bad the teams that they're supposed to beat, which makes them kind of in the class of mediocre, maybe a little bit above mediocre, which is what a lot of teams in the NFL are. The NFL has two great teams, a couple, a few good teams, a few more mediocre teams, and then about half the league is just absolutely terrible. And the product itself is unwatchable. And now, this moving from the PSA portion to the just the general observation, I just have to get this in, too. I don't know if you watched last night's game. I don't know if you watched Monday Night Football, Eagles-Giants. But if you did, first of all, God bless you, sir or ma'am. 
uh, because you really must, uh, you must be into S&M. You really must hate your life or you're a fan of the Eagles or Giants or more than likely there's a like at least a 90% chance that if you actually watched that game last night and, and did so attentively, if you watched, you probably were either watching for your fantasy players you uh, are involved in DraftKings or FanDuel or you're involved in an offshore betting site or you're in Las Vegas and you're gambling on the game legally. Uh, regardless of whatever it is, you must have had money or an office pool. That's another good reason. You must have had, uh, there's a better than 90% chance that you had some kind of action on the game and that was the only way you watched it because that thing last night, that game last night between the Eagles and Giants was just a textbook example of how unwatchable the NFL is. I know it's an unpopular opinion. I know I'm engaging in sacrilege right now. The NFL is not watchable. And I said this on the show last week, um, and I know somebody didn't really like that. Uh, but I have to tell you that, and I'm not talking about anything else. I'm just talking about the product that's on the field right now. The product that the NFL puts on the field is the worst of the four major sports in the United States. It's worse than Major League Baseball, certainly, because if you watched the Royals-Blue Jays game last night, that was exciting. That was an exciting game. The Royals had a, a, a they mounted a big comeback late. Final score was 11 to 8. Yeah, the pitching wasn't very good, but I, I just, I thought it was at least an exciting game, an interesting game. Baseball is doing a lot to try and and turn the game around a bit and make it more interesting. And, you know, they're, uh, they're trying to recover from the steroid era, which gripped the game, which still made the game exciting, but I don't know, probably watered down the product pretty substantially. Uh, the NBA is better as a product, not as a league, but as a product than... Uh, the NFL, and certainly hockey is probably the, the most superior of all the products, even though nobody watches hockey and almost nobody cares about hockey. But hockey is the best product of the four major sports. They they got rid of that damnable uh, shootout crap that was going... I mean, the shootout was probably the worst thing in all the sports. So getting rid of that was... That's a huge step in the right direction for the NHL. Because there was nothing worse than watching a shootout to decide a game. Oh my God, that'd be that was the equivalent of watching home run derby to determine a an extra inning game in baseball, or that would be the equivalent of watching a free throw shooting contest uh, at the end of regulation in basketball, which is kind of what happens in close games in the NBA anyway, or a field goal kicking contest in the NFL. It's the same kind of crap. So they got rid of it. And that's why the NHL is at least smart in that regard. The product is fine. Uh, the execution of each of those leagues, completely different. Uh, the NFL obviously has the best marketing. They're the best in terms of that. And so they're always going to be king. But man, if you just couldn't bet on this, and I said this before, if you couldn't put any action on the game money-wise, nobody would watch. Nobody would give a damn about the NFL, except for a small group of people. It would be a fourth-tier sport in this country. No question. Soccer might surpass it. If you couldn't put money on the NFL because of just how bad the league has gotten. That game last night, the Eagles-Giants, 21 penalties. This is why the product is so bad. The officials, they are really, 
really throwing the flags constantly. They're up by more than three a game this year, penalty flags. 21 penalties, seven turnovers between the two teams, and just bad fundamental play, bad tackling. Uh, the whole the game was, and I didn't even see very much of it. What I saw of it was terrible. I was out with my brother last night. We went out and had some pizza. We sat outside because it was just a beautiful night here in Phoenix amidst the backdrop of some lightning off in the distance, which has been a, a pretty constant theme also. A lot of storms and lightning and muggy weather, but it was kind of muggy, but it was beautiful out last night, basically. 70-something degrees and just uh perfect evening, but... Looking inside, I could still see they had Monday Night Football on the TVs in this pizza place. And I was just sort of kind of casually looking over and watching it. And I, every time I was looking over, I saw somebody, I saw dropped passes. I saw guys missing tackles. I saw interceptions. I saw fumbles. I, I saw it all last night. It was, um, it was just in the little tiny bit that you could get just from that. Because I was, we were, we were too busy talking about politics and and. The DNC debate from last week and just all the, all the other stuff that uh, we talk about. My brother and I go out to dinner like once a week or whatever. We uh, catch up on stuff. and But uh, I, I'm just sitting there at one point. I'm, I, I just kept, every time I would look over, I'm, oh, there's another drop ball. Oh, there's another interception. I, um, I was a bit stunned. And then I came home and watched the rest of the game. And it was, I was, I couldn't believe it. I was, uh. Shocked to say the least. So great job, NFL. Really. And they want to actually expand the season. Remember there was talk a few seasons ago of actually expanding to 18 games? Holy cow. Um, speaking on the sports, I guess we'll just keep this theme going. The the Cubs. Uh, so much for the Cubs uh, going to the World Series, right? Well, anyway, they're trailing two games to none to the New York Mets. Game three of the NLCS tonight. Uh, the Royals took, uh, well, the Royals maintain a 2-1 to series lead after the Blue Jays came back last night, winning 11-8. to So that's how those series are going. And, uh, yeah, so that's uh, the big update there. All right, shifting gears a bit, let's uh, get into this. Jim Webb, the Democratic candidate, we talked about him at least a little bit last week when we reviewed the uh, DNC debate. Jim Webb says he's dropping out. He is suspending his campaign. Well, he doesn't he doesn't say he's ending his campaign. He says he's suspending it and he's contemplating a run as an independent. Look, Jim, since I'm just doling out PSAs anyway, here we go. Here's one for you. Save your money. You have zero shot at winning. I commend Jim Webb for one thing, and that is he called a spade a spade about this process being rigged, and I'll get into that in a second. I understand it. I get it. But you have absolutely no chance of winning. Okay? So save your money, save your time, save your dignity, and just don't bother to run because you're not going to beat Hillary. You're not going to beat Bernie Sanders. You're certainly not going to beat any of the Republicans that are running because every single one of them on either side, they're going to tear you apart. And I almost kind of, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I actually kind of agree with Jim Webb on this point. So he uh, says that uh, both parties, both major parties, this is part of his announcement of his suspension of his campaign. He says both major parties are, quote, being pulled to the extremes while um, 
He says all of this, but he still is going to run as an independent, probably. Maybe. The decision comes after the ex-senator and former uh, Navy secretary struggled to gain traction in a race dominated by Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. In a press conference earlier today, Webb said that uh, political candidates are, quote, increasingly out of step with the people they're supposed to serve. 100% agree. He's right. Um, He also says that he's uncomfortable with the radical shift toward the extremes in both parties. Well, we've talked about this before. What's weird is they both shift to the extremes when they're running for office, when they're campaigning. But when they actually get into office, a lot of these guys just do the same old crap that they've always done. And they pretty much run in lockstep of each other. Both parties are ostensibly the same when they get into office. But when they're running, they sound very different and they sound very unique. But, you know, that's the nature of duopoly politics in the 21st century here in the United States. Quote, For this reason, I'm withdrawing from any consideration of being the Democratic Party's nominee for for president. Well, don't worry, you had no chance anyway, bud. He added, quote, How I remain as a voice will depend on what kind of support I'm shown in the coming weeks. Now, of course, Jim Webb was blasted all over social media because during the debate last week, he said that he repeatedly complained that he wasn't being given A, time to respond to a question, and B, time to even share. Uh, He wasn't getting equal time um, for representation of his platform. And, uh, well, it's true. He wasn't. But then again... He had the lowest polling numbers of anybody there. Well, he and Lincoln Chafee had the lowest polling numbers. So they're not going to give you the same amount of time that they give Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders. And, you know, yeah, it's unfair, but I hate to tell you, that's just the way it is. That's politics in the 21st century. That sucks. It's terrible. But that's the nature of it. You of all people, Jim, should know that. Webb has raised only about $700,000 and ended the month of September with just over $300,000 in the bank. Rivals like Clinton and Sanders have raised millions of dollars for their campaign, not to mention Hillary Clinton is a multi-hundred millionaire herself, never mind factoring in Bill's income and his assets. When asked on Tuesday about the possibility of mounting an independent run, the former senator claimed that he would have significant financial backing if he did. Quote, I'm thinking about all my options, Webb said. Asked if last week's debate, or asked at last week's debate if he's out of step with the modern Democratic Party, Webb said that he wasn't. Quote, actually, I believe that I am where the Democratic Party traditionally has been. The Democratic Party and the reason I've decided to run as a Democrat has been the party that gives people who otherwise have no voice in the corridors of power a voice. So that was Jim Webb from last week. He's right about at least some of it. He's right about the system being rigged. He's right about the fact that he really didn't get equal time. He's he seems to be very moderate. Seems to be fairly reasonable, but when you're reasonable and when you're moderate, you pretty much have no place in U.S. politics right now. And I hate to say that, but that's pretty much accurate.
Look at anybody who's kind of reasonably in the middle, semi, sort of, kind of reasonably moderate. Not that there's really anybody that's a true moderate on either side. But look at anybody that is kind of, sort of, even leaning moderate. They have no traction. Nobody wants to hear from them. Look at a guy like Marco Rubio, who, by all rights, in in many ways, is relatively moderate on certain things. Yeah, he's still all about the God, and yeah, he he plays up to the Republican crowd a little bit, but he's more moderate than, let's say, a Donald Trump. He's more moderate than, say, Ted Cruz or Jeb Bush. And yet, here he is. He has very little traction outside of the state of Florida, very little traction nationally. Uh, his polling numbers are not, they're pretty flatlined. But the people that are kind of, well, and again, Ben Carson is, I know that people see him as this outsider, which he is. No political experience, which is true. But he is not exactly a moderate. He's very much in lockstep with the social conservative platform. He's very much in lockstep uh, with the fiscal conservative platform. And he's pretty much out there in, in that regard in most ways. So I would say that he's not that moderate, but he's doing quite well because he has the other thing that people are looking for, and that is no political experience. People don't want political experience. It scares the hell out of them. Poll after poll says people are tired of political experience being uh, the only factor. And that's why people like Ben Carson and people like Donald Trump, and even though Bernie Sanders has been in the Senate forever, uh, people like Bernie Sanders who are not part of the establishment politics. People don't want establishment politics anymore. They're tired of it. And that's why a lot of these guys that are kind of outside, entertainers like Trump, neurosurgeons like Ben Carson, and a guy that is an admitted socialist and who is not part of, who has no super PAC money, who is not part of any major group in Bernie Sanders, that's why those guys are getting a lot of attention, and that's why they're getting a lot of um, their front runners. You know, Hillary Clinton's in there, and she's very much establishment, but that's because she has this huge name recognition and has been on the scene for so long, and she's been bandied about for president. Her name has been thrown around so long that she has her own brand, basically. So she's still hanging in there, but I don't know if she's going to be the one to win. I don't know if she's going to emerge from this because she has a huge unfavorability rating, too. Hillary Clinton's very polarizing. Whenever I ask somebody about Hillary Clinton, it's either, oh man, what a strong woman, what a great person, what a great woman, very, uh, very tough, shrewd politician, really strong, really love her, would vote for her in a heartbeat, or it's, now you know what, man, she's just a Literally about the only responses you'll ever get. What a great person, or they call her the C word. So there you go, which is really kind of the responses that I usually get with this show. Usually people don't just go, eh, your show, I could take it or leave it. It's either, man, Mike is really great. He does a really great show or man, what a piece of sh**. Well, regardless of what you think of me, we need to take a break. So we'll regroup. We'll come back. We got a lot of stuff still to get into. Man, it's going to be just another one of those long shows. I think I found a place to live that might actually be worse than Detroit. How's that for a tease? That's coming up. 
and uh, a lot of other stuff too. So don't worry about it. It's the zip code famous Michael Groff show. Taking pot shots at both sides from the radical middle. Ah! It's the zip code famous Michael Groff show. What is the meaning of existence, of all of this? Some people are out there to try and help others find their faith, find their way. Some people, I see these guys on the Travel Channel that are trying to find the best burger or the best cuisine or the best travel destination, the most beautiful place on earth, whatever. Me, I think I'm just trying to find a place that's worse to live than Detroit. I've been on this quest for a long time to see if there is actually a place really in this galaxy that's less hospitable than Detroit, Michigan. I thought it was New Jersey. I thought it was Beirut. I thought maybe Baghdad or Tikrit. Perhaps the surface of the sun. Maybe Venus. So far to no avail. But uh, here we go. Got it. Maybe. Um, I think Bridgeton, Missouri might qualify because they have a little problem, a little land fire, a landfill fire that's going on over there right now. They have had a smoldering landfill fire for the last five years in Bridgeton. And now they're concerned because this fire is encroaching on a bunch of buried nuclear waste. Uh, they call this, what is this called? A uh, Well, first of all, the fire is smoldering beneath a landfill in a densely populated suburb of St. Louis and has been doing so over the last five years. This is the story. They call these smoldering events. <laughs> uh, yes, what makes this fire near Bridgeton, Missouri so unusual is that it is less than a quarter of a mile away from a deposit of nuclear waste, which incidentally was put there illegally many years ago. The radioactive legacy of St. Louis' role in, the, in World War II and the atomic weapons program has unleashed a Cold War-style nuclear paranoia in the area, which has led some residents going out to buy gas masks and others contemplating whether or not they should move away. If you live in an area, let me just, I'll just, help you out with your decision. If you live in an area where you're next to a smoldering landfill fire that's a quarter of a mile away from nuclear waste, I don't understand what the debate is. Move. Pick up. Leave. 
Yeah, I'm sure you're probably not going to get a whole lot for your house. It's probably going to sell for, I don't know, maybe about the value of a Detroit house. But at that at that point, what difference does it make? If the choice is, do I stay here and breathe in landfill smolder and potential nuclear waste and radon gas and all this other stuff, do I do that or do I move? I think the choice is pretty clear. I don't know. But then again, there are still people that live in Detroit. So I guess maybe for some people, the decision isn't that clear. Um, suburb of St. Louis. And it's not even East St. Louis either. See, that's what I thought. When I first saw this story and I was going to look through it for the show, that was the first thing I thought that I read through it and I went, oh, all right. Uh, corporate, federal, and state officials don't completely agree on what kind of threat Westlake Landfill poses to residents or even if it poses a threat at all, various scientists and officials have presented clashing studies to the public about whether or not the underground fire um, moving is moving at all and what might happen if it reaches the nuclear waste. Of course, some people believe that if it reaches it, there, there'd be an unleashing of um, radon gas or perhaps worse. Others say that's not going to happen. The Environmental Protection Agency says that they have no evidence that the fire is actually moving at all and that it's just a smoldering landfill fire. Well, that's fine. That's great. Quote, we just do not agree with the finding that the uh, that the smoldering event is approaching the radioactive uh, material, said Mary Peterson, who is the director of the... Uh, EPA Region 7. So, there you go. That's what they say. I say, if you live in an area with a smoldering landfill nearby, you should move anyway. Whether or not it's near <laughs> nuclear waste is another issue altogether. Uh, this just goes back to the problem of just throwing your garbage, burying your garbage in the ground and thinking that the problem just goes away when you do that. Just like when we take garbage and throw it in the ocean... Just like when you take nuclear waste and bury it in the ground and somehow that's going to solve the problem. How deep do they bury this stuff? I don't know. And I, I don't claim to be a landfill expert. I didn't look this up before the show. I'm sure it's very easy to Google, but I'm just asking out loud, I guess, as I sit here and pontificate over this issue. Why would you bury nuclear waste? Why wouldn't you bury it like a mile under the ground? Seriously, why wouldn't you... If you are going to put nuclear waste in the ground, why would I'm sure they only dig what a few hundred feet and they go, okay, that's probably deep enough. Why not go like a mile or three or ten into the ground? Why not go way down deep? I realize the drilling would be really expensive, but you know it's kind of nuclear waste. Do you think that you'd want to put it someplace where, if you are going to put it under the rug? You would do so in a way that's not easily going to come back to haunt you. And I see here in the story that it talks about how this all started in 1942 when the U.S. was engaged in its nuclear weapons program. And this waste got buried sometime in the 40s. And it wasn't supposed to be there in the first place. It was illegally dumped. And that there's a big bunch of contention with the landfill owner as well. That's It's a different guy, I guess. The landfill owner, because of the smoldering fire and the attorney general's office is pursuing a case there. And no doubt that citizens are going to latch onto this and there's probably going to be some legal wrangling over the idea of this landfill fire and the potential damage that it could have environmentally and all this other stuff. 
just burying your problems underground. There's got to be a smarter way. And if you are going to do it, probably we should go a little deeper with these landfills. I don't know. I'm sure it's a lot more expensive to do that. But just throwing <laughs> throwing problems into the ground and leaving them for another generation, I don't know if that's entirely the, the smartest idea. I know we have to put our garbage someplace. I get it. Um... Maybe we should just take a state that no one's really using, like Wyoming. We'll just take Wyoming and we'll just say, okay, Wyoming is now, we'll rename the state of Wyoming to Landfill. The state is Landfill. Probably, actually, that's probably not a really good idea because Wyoming does sit on the largest caldera in the world. Uh, so when that goes, uh, of course, when that goes, we're all screwed anyway. So what difference does it make if a bunch of garbage blows out of it at the same time? I don't know. It sounds like a good idea. Take a state nobody cares about. We'll take the West Virginia. That sounds like a great idea. West Virginia will just now be landfill. We'll just call it the state of landfill. And there you go. And that's where we'll put all of our garbage and nuclear waste. And we'll put it deep, deep, deep under the ground in there. What What is West Virginia really doing for us anyway? Right? Good. Powerball winners come from there a lot. I mean, I think it's the state with the most trailer parks per capita, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I just made that up, but I assume that that would be the case. It's got to be. It's got to be the state with the fewest teeth and the most trailer parks per capita. Boy, am I going to get somebody from West Virginia. <laughs> I, I listen to your show on that there internet and uh, on a pewter, and uh, I heard what you said about us. We ain't just that. Come on now. Come on now, boy. I'm wearing my flannel shirt here, and uh, I, hold on a second. I'm chewing my tobacco, and half my teeth does, does done folded out, but that ain't my fault. It's a part of, you know, it's, uh, it's, them, uh, it's that tobacco company. I'm still I'm suing Philip Morris for that. Okay. Good luck to you. I just bought a Powerball. I won. I won my Powerball ticket. I was going to donate a million dollars to your show, but then I heard you say some terrible things about us folks here in West Virginia. I ain't going to donate nothing now. Go screw yourself. All right. Anyway, I forgot to mention this in the last segment also about um, when we were talking about Jim Webb and Hillary Clinton and all this. I might as well throw this out there, too. Uh, oh, and they say the Republican Party is out of touch. Well, how about this? A Republican lawmaker is floating impeachment out there as an idea for... Hillary Clinton, should the Democratic presidential candidate lock up her party's nomination and go on to win the White House? Representative Mo Brooks from Alabama said in a phone interview with The Hill late Monday that he believes Clinton improperly handled classified information on her private email server used during her time as Secretary of State. He went on to say, quote, Clinton would be subject to impeachment, adding subject to impeachment means that she could she could should the house and senate choose uh, be impeached based upon offenses high crimes and misdemeanors that she has and in all probability already committed so there you go that's what <laughs> they already have a contingency plan set up in the republicans or at least this guy does should hillary clinton win the white house Good, we'll have another president that is facing at least the threat of impeachment. It all started with Clinton, then Bush, then Obama, then potentially Hillary Clinton, at least according to Mo Brooks from Alabama. 
Good job, guys. Way to really bring this country together. Way to really end the gridlock. Way to really end the infighting among the two major parties, which has just been a joke for the last 20 years. It all started because Hillary Clinton, or because Bill Clinton got a blowjob in the White House. There was much ado about nothing. Not exactly a, a good moral leader. I got it. Took advantage of an intern. Cheated on his wife. Uh, none of those are actually crimes, though. Maybe makes him kind of a douchebag. Big deal. The Republicans had to just go and try and impeach the guy. They tried to actually bring about impeachment against Bill Clinton. And then George Bush, hey, look, he made really dumb decisions. And I get it. It was Maybe it was a little bit of revenge impeachment. At least, at least what George Bush did was pretty bad in the sense that we went into Iraq. We shouldn't have. It was a bad choice. But then again, and I know a lot of people died and it was a terrible war and it was a war that we should not have ever been involved in. And I got that. But impeachment, come on, that's stupid. Uh, impeachment against, there is talk. There is still talk in the Republicans. Sometimes I hear it on these shows like Hannity and whatnot. There is still talk that they wanted to bring impeachment proceedings against Obama because of Benghazi, which is, again, ridiculous. I, I understand that Benghazi was a big mistake and a big cover-up, um, but impeachment should be left for things where the worst of the worst kind of situation happens. It's now one of these things that everybody brings up all the time whenever a politician screws up. Impeachment should be left for really horrible things. You know when you should bring up impeachment? We had a governor in this state, Fife Symington, who committed fraud, well, alleged real estate fraud. I don't know if I can even really say alleged because he was found to have committed numerous violations, numerous, uh, I don't know what eventually got plead out and I don't know eventually what wound up happening, but he was he was facing 23 different indictments he got convicted, but then was in, he was he was impeached, but then he was pardoned. Ultimately, he was sentenced, but he was ultimately pardoned by President Clinton. So I don't know if you can really say anything about all that now, uh, except for the fact that you know he didn't really. <laughs> he's fine. He's in the clear now of all of that because he was pardoned. But when you're talking about a person that commits fraud, and when you're talking about a person that actually commits crimes against the state or crimes against other people, fraud being one of them, then certainly that's a, a cause for impeachment. And I understand I don't want to diminish what Hillary Clinton has done, and I don't want to make it seem like she's getting off easy, because there is a process that's out there, and there needs to be a process that plays out, and I am not defending Hillary Clinton. Don't get me wrong. Covering up information, lying, it's a big deal. To already talk about impeachment for somebody that may very well not even get their party's nomination is, well, once again shows why people have this, these horrible feelings about the political system in general and why people bash Republicans so much. I understand it. And don't get me wrong, this is not, as, because I know people are going to write it, oh, Mike, you're, you're sounding kind of liberal here lately. I did get that, by the way. I got to read that comment. I'm not going to do it right now, but I have to read a comment somebody sent me. I'll, I have to make a note. Maybe I'll do it on tomorrow's uh, podcast, but I have to make a note. Somebody 
wrote in and told me that I'm sounding more liberal and that I'm shifting. I'm clearly having a shift in my, as I head toward midlife, I'm having a shift toward liberalism for some reason. And this person can't figure it out. And they're saying that, uh, well, they're, they're kind of happy about it because they're a liberal and they're saying, I'm starting to sound like I'm shifting more liberal. And um, no, I just call a spade a spade, guys. I really try to stay out of the partisan crap, but you have to call it as it is. And that is that if you're already coming up with the idea, you're floating the idea of impeachment out there with somebody that's, we're still 13 months away from an election. We're still 15 months away from somebody actually taking the oath of office and you're already floating out the idea of impeachment. That's a little bit nuts. And you can understand why people might have a little bit of a problem with your party because that's what you're already engaging in. Good for you. I have to tell you, I'm pretty sure that where I'm about to go is another in a string of unpopular opinions. And maybe I should just rename this podcast Unpopular Opinions Featuring Michael Groff because in the opening segment... I went after and dared to besmirch the great name of the king of sports, the NFL, because I called it unwatchable. But this is even more unpopular than that take. And I have to tell you, um, so I'm sure you saw that in the last 24 hours, the trailer for the latest Star Wars movie came out. And it's already up to, what, 15 million hits on YouTube or something like that. And it looks aesthetically pretty cool, and I understand it's Disney's got a hold of it, and I, even though I was certain they'd probably ruin it, I don't know if they've really ruined it or not. It still looks all right, I guess. It's Star Wars. It's whatever. But in terms of my interest level in this, I'm just not really all that interested. Yeah, the, the trailer looks all right. I mean, trailers for movies always look good. The trailer for the movie Get Shorty looked funny, but it turned out to be a big waste of 90 minutes i'll still never forget my dad my brother and i one of the few movies we all saw together and boy was that ever a disappointment god that and the naked gun 33 and a third but even that was better than get shorty but anyway trailers for movies always look good because if they don't then the movie is not doing a very good job if you see a trailer for a movie and you go man that looks like crap then you just don't go see the movie and that movie winds up making like $500,000. So, yeah, the, the new Star Wars movie, I have no doubt it will be one of the biggest, if not the biggest movie, the biggest blockbuster in history. I have a, no doubt it'll be right up there with Titanic and Avatar and the other great movies uh, that have grossed over a billion bucks. I'm sure, no doubt. Star Wars geeks everywhere are going to go to check it out. Even people that aren't Star Wars geeks, I probably will still go see it, even though my interest level on a scale of 1 to 10 is probably a solid 2. Nevertheless, I know this is sacrilege. I know this is awful to say. I know that this is like one of those things that you just don't say, and it makes me uncool. And um, But I just have always felt that the Star Wars saga, the whole thing, is pretty overrated. Yeah, the original movies were all right. They're pretty good. I saw them all as a kid, probably multiple times. In fact, I know I saw Return of the Jedi. I probably saw no less than 15 times. Hell, most of those times were in school of all places. I know we saw Star Wars movies in elementary school a lot. Rather than educational stuff, that's what we saw. We actually had an assembly to watch Star Wars before. 
in like sixth grade. So I understand it. But I, I just, it's always been kind of overrated to me, especially the three most recent Star Wars movies, the Attack of the Clones and the Phantom Menace and all that. Pretty bad. Not really. Those were hardly compelling. And I saw them all in the theater because my friends were interested in it. So, of course, I went along. I saw them. They were okay, I guess. I don't know. Not that good, though. Didn't keep my interest level. I really didn't know what was going on entirely because I'm just not a geek. I haven't geeked out to the Star Wars story. I don't know it that well. I have friends that have seen the Star Wars movies. Well, Johnny, who you heard on the show last week, he's probably watched it. And I'm not even... This isn't hyperbole. He's probably watched the original Star Wars movies 500 times. Easily. He used to, when we were in high school, he used to every weekend basically put it in on the VHS and he used to watch at least one of them. So I know that there are people like that that geek out to that sort of thing. They've read the books. They are totally into it. They have the posters. They have action figures. They're into it completely. I'm just not one of those guys. Never have been. There's not a movie out there that I've ever geeked out to that much where I go, I know this movie front back. And so probably the closest movie was Pulp Fiction. I used to, uh, one of my friends, we used to sit there and just go back and forth on lines from that movie all the time. I've been into a few movies. I really like the Lord of the Rings movies, but even that, I, I just, I don't know. I've never geeked out to anything that much. So, but I know that people are excited about it. I know it'll be huge, but I, I kind of think it's a little bit overrated. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But then I, I know I know I'm out there because I've said the same thing about the Beatles. I think the Beatles are one of the most overrated bands that ever happened to hit the United States. Okay? I do. I, hey, I'm not saying they're not good musicians. Especially Paul McCartney. I think he's good. I thought George Harrison was pretty good. Uh, Ringo's a terrible drummer and a terrible musician. He just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Pete Best was a far better drummer and a far better musician than Ringo, but Pete Best thought that the Beatles weren't ever going to go anywhere, so he quit the band, uh, and Ringo came in there, and, well, he managed to be the luckiest guy ever in the history of show business. There is no one that was that's done more with less than Ringo Starr. And I even, even Matthew McConaughey is not quite as lucky as Ringo Starr. So John Lennon, I didn't care for his solo stuff. I didn't really care for John Lennon outside of the Beatles or whatever. But hey, you still have to say that the guys, they had talent. They were talented musicians. At least three of the four of them were. And, uh, but overrated. They're not the greatest of all time ever. They're just not. They were all right. And they were exploratory after they put their pop crap out there that they first hit the scene with. And then, uh, I mean, Hold Your Hand, come on. That was one of the, it's one of the worst songs ever. It's a terrible song. And then they put out their albums like, uh, I don't know, Strawberry Fields and all that. That that was better. But come on. They're not the greatest of all time. They're not the greatest musicians that there will ever be in the history of mankind I hate to say it. I said it a long time ago. I've said it over the years, and I continue to say it. Just like Star Wars, the Star Wars trilogy, not the greatest movies of all time. You have to understand there's numerous flubs. There's numerous screw-ups in that movie. Hell, Harrison Ford yells Carrie at the end of Star Wars. So you can't say it's the greatest movie of all time. You can't. You just... I'm sorry. It's just one of those things. So I... I 
I don't know. I'm okay with it. It seems all right. I'll probably wind up seeing it because my friends see it, but I'm not that excited about it. Star Wars is overrated. Thank you. That is the unpopular opinion of the day. Well, that and the NFL is unwatchable. Although I don't know if that's such an unpopular opinion. I think that's the truth. I watch it because, I mean, I guess I'm still a fan and I want to comment on stuff for this show. There are things I do for this show that I probably ordinarily wouldn't do. I don't know. All right. Uh, Let's uh, take a break, I guess. I know. If you're actually still here, if you haven't bailed out on the show because I said something awful, like Star Wars is overrated. I know. Did you hear what Groff said? He actually thinks that Star Wars is overrated. Can't believe. I didn't say it sucked. I would. I would never go that. Well, I will say that the last three did kind of suck. But the first three movies, they didn't suck. They just weren't the greatest theatrical pieces of all time. Okay, that's all. All right, we got that straight. Uh, there's still a lot more to get into when we continue. It is, of course, the zip code famous, unpopular opinion laced Michael Groff show. We'll be back. Standing there alone, the ship is waiting, all systems are full. Are you sure? Control is not convinced, but the computer has the evidence. No need to abort. The countdown starts. Watching in the trance, the crew is certain, nothing left to chance. this in my rant about Star Wars last segment, but the new Star Wars movie has controversy surrounding it, apparently. I know, right? And here's another shock. It started on social media. It actually started because I'm trying to follow this, quote, logic that some of these people have about it, but think that there's actually real world issues going on and people are debating about the new Star Wars but evidently there's black people in the new Star Wars. I know all of you bigots you may have to stay home because there are black people in Star Wars now. Yeah and uh, don't tell some of these bigots this but the voice of Darth Vader James Earl Jones you do know that He's not exactly white either, right? But anyway, so there's a hashtag on Twitter, Boycott Star Wars 7, and it apparently started because the new Star Wars, not only does it have black people in it, but some of these black people, or at least one of these black stormtroopers, I guess, kills some white people. And therefore, according to their logic, Star Wars is engaging in white genocide. And there's even posts on Twitter about stop White genocide, hashtag boycott Star Wars 7. Now, luckily, fortunately, some semblance of common sense has prevailed on social media, and the hashtag boycott Star Wars 7 has been taken over, co opted by more common sense, reasonable people who are calling all these other people bigots, which is great. 
And I, I think it's a pretty small group of people that are doing this. But nevertheless, the fact that anybody would be upset by this. And then I saw online that they're selling. There's a review of the new Star Wars toy. The uh, One of these. And it's black. It's a black figure. Um, and you should see some of the comments people made. And yeah, here's a surprise. Um, people are pretty racist toward this. Why is it that if there's anything at all that has any diversity whatsoever that's not white, there has to be people that are racist toward it? Why is that a thing? I understand sometimes I remember in the 80s that uh, this this is kind of where it started when on TV there started to be more people that were put in for the sake of... And they were always the stereotypical person of a certain race. Like, even on the cartoons, like Super Friends, they put in the samurai. They put in the ja- the mandatory Japanese guy. They put in the black guy who threw lightning at people. And, of course, they all had the, ster- the stereotypical Asian accents and the stereotypical black voice. Hello, I throw I throws lightning at people. And, you know, I am a samurai. Yes, sir. You know, it was always the the stereotypical crap, which is fine. I mean, that's hilarious. And so we've since moved a little bit past that. And I know they did it for the sake of doing it. And I guess trying to teach about inclusion through broad stereotypes, which I is kind of funny. But um, so I, I get it. And, and I, I hate political correctness as much as the next guy. But come on, uh, we have to come to grips with the fact that there's nothing wrong with black people being in Star Wars and a black action figure stormtrooper. But apparently, don't tell that to the bigots who have written uh, some of these reviews of it. Oh, is there no end to the stupidity? Is there really? Uh, fortunately, or hopefully, there never will be because if there is, uh, I probably won't have a very interesting program anymore. I probably won't have anything to talk about in this show. If if stupidity ended tomorrow, well, I'm pretty stupid, so I could probably still do the show and pull it off pretty well. But really, if there was no stupidity on planet Earth, I'd have nothing to talk about. What would I? I would just talk about the weather, I guess. Talk about the weather. I, maybe I would talk about um, some of my favorite foods. Um, I don't know. It would be a lot less interesting, that's for sure. All right, as, and keeping with that theme, a Southwest Airlines flight was turned around about 10 minutes after taking off from Los Angeles International Airport on Sunday uh, because one of, the, uh, one of the passengers decided they had the audacity to recline in their seat, and that sparked some rage by another passenger who was behind that person, and they decided to grab the passenger's neck and start choking them. Flight number uh, 2010 from LAX to San Francisco International Airport returned to Los Angeles to allow police access to the cabin because a rapidly escalating situation involving passengers who were not traveling together. Witnesses said that the woman claimed that the man sitting behind her tried to choke her because she reclined her seat. Quote, evidently, we've got two passengers who are in a physical altercation, so we need to get the plane turned around to go back to LAX. The pilot of the plane told air traffic control before landing safely in Los Angeles. The FBI, of course, came in. A spokeswoman, Laura Immler, 
uh, said that a passenger was detained for questioning, but no arrests were made. The remaining 136 passengers switched planes, and then they went on to uh, San Francisco about five hours late, according to Southwest. How is it that somebody chokes another person on a plane and there's no arrest? Uh, That I don't get. Hell, you talk back to a flight attendant and you're arrested. You're questioned by the FBI. You're you're arrested. You may even go to jail if you... You talk back to a stewardess, which you really shouldn't do because you're an idiot if you do it. But still, you talk back to somebody and they arrest you. So how is it that you can choke another passenger and not get arrested? There you go. Flying the friendly skies. Meanwhile, it looks like El Nino is starting to take shape for the, for the fall and winter season ahead. I know we've had some pretty weird weather here this October in the Phoenix area. California is certainly catching their share as well as strong winds and heavy rain caused mudslides over the past several days across portions of Southern California. Numerous motorists stranded, some of the cars taken right off the road, some people injured. There's lots of stuff going on as sections of the highway, especially in Kern County, were closed because of mudslides over the weekend. So heavy rain uh, across the area, plus numerous uh, let's urban and small stream flood advisories and uh, washes were running and all sorts of chaos across much of Southern California because a lot of rain, uh, one to three inches, if not more, fell across the mountains and the deserts of SoCal. So some pretty crazy pictures, actually, from... Southern California with these uh, mudslides going on. Pretty um, pretty outrageous, actually. Uh, luckily, we've had none of that here. Although, I was pretty sure that the other night, my house was going to just get blown away by some of these storms that we had. Uh, insane lightning. Crazy stuff going on this month. It's been muggy. It's been weird. I know the climate change people are going to be all over me. Oh, it's climate change, Mike. Eh, it's El Nino. El Nino's kind of normal. Happens a lot. Happens every 10 to 20 years. It's in a cycle. El Nino, then La Nina, then back to El Nino. With kind of a dead space in between. So there you go. Uh, Let's see. Oh, we're being warned once again that if you are looking at porn, your personal information may soon be out there all over the net. So be careful of this. If you've ever been known to browse for some adult entertainment, you could be the next target for hackers. This warning comes from software engineer Brett Thomas, who said that um, he wrote on his blog that if you're watching or viewing porn online in 2015, even if you do it in incognito mode, you should expect at some point that your porn viewing history may be publicly released and attached to your name. He said that at any time, somebody could post a website that allows you to search anybody by email address or Facebook username and view their porn browsing history. All that's needed for uh, this nominal uh, nominal data breaches are, is an enterprising teenager uh, that wants to create havoc. So you could be the next victim of public shaming regarding your porn viewing habits. Of course, the easy solution to this is to be a less uptight culture about sex. 
and about pornography. If we were just more open about all that stuff, I don't think there'd really be a problem. Like if someone posted online, hey, Mike, uh, I've seen you've watched porn before. Ha ha ha. I'd be like, yeah, I have. I've talked about it on the air. Who hasn't? There's two types of people. There's people that have watched porn and then there's people that lie about watching porn, period. Doesn't matter how old, how young you are generally. I mean, if you're over the age of about 12 and you're under the age of about 80, you have probably at some point in your life seen porn. Whether you've seen it on the internet, whether you saw it in the old smut films in the 60s and 70s, whether it was like the dirty, you know, and I'm not necessarily saying that Hustler or Playboy or Penthouse or porn per se, but it is still nudity. It still displays nudity. Hell, the old National Geographic magazines that were in my classroom in fourth or fifth or sixth grade, they had these tribes in Africa. They had these naked people in them, fully naked. Their junk was right there. It was on display. It wasn't sexual, but it was there. So you can't say that that wasn't the case. Can't say that you've never seen naked people, at least. Now, I'm not again, that's not necessarily porn, but still... When the internet really got going, when the internet really started to pick up, I mean, I was on the internet in the 80s, but back in the old like bulletin board message systems and all that stuff. Uh, uh, but I'm talking about when the internet really started to take off following Windows 95, so the mid 90s. People used to send each other just ridiculous pictures all the time. It was just funny, it was goofy. Uh, my friends, it got to a point where you couldn't open an email from one of your friends because they would just send you a, a picture of a woman filleting a, a massive dude or some, you know, some massive penis. I mean, that just happened a lot. I must have seen that stupid hat rack picture a hundred times. Uh, somebody would send you a picture. Uh, no, the email would be something like, "Oh, um, you know, one of your friends would say, oh." Hey, Mike, uh, I'm working on a paper because you proofread it or something. Okay, and you'd open it. Oh, okay, there's there's the hat rack again. There's a bunch of dudes with, you know, uh, hanging their hats on their penises. Great. Okay. Saw it, th- God, hundred times. Anyway, so it was. it's one of those things. Everyone has seen it. It's not really anything to be that uptight about. We are way too crazy as a culture about sex. Meanwhile... We're totally open about violence and we're totally desensitized to murder, violence, gore, blood, all of that. But if someone looks at sex, if there's for a moment, we had a moment, a, 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 not even a full second of a nipple showing on the Super Bowl halftime show in 2004 and everyone freaked the hell out. You would have thought that it was the worst thing to ever happen. It, it was like another 9-11. That's how people reacted to that. The FCC was all over it. Broadcasters were freaking out. We were having a discussion about the moral decline of our society. All because Janet Jackson's nipple slipped out in 2004. Because we're just way too uptight about sex. So a story like this comes along. And the only reason that it has any power at all over us and our porn viewing history and all of that is because we're so ashamed of sex and we're so closed off as a society sexually that we can't just admit it. I'm going to, I mean, I've talked about it on the show. Yeah, I don't watch porn all the time. Pretty rare. But I have seen it. You know, I don't go out looking for it necessarily. I don't sit here and just look at it. I, I 
it's just not my thing. Like, I'm not really into strip clubs. I've been to a strip club once in my life. It's because looking at other people doing it is just not that big a deal for me. But I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say I've never watched it. It's cool. It's whatever it is. I have no objection to it. Some people watch it every day. Who cares? The only way a, a, a threat like this from hackers releasing your name attached to your porn viewing history becomes a big deal is if you let it empower them and you you let it become a big deal. Whether someone watches porn every day or only occasionally, the only reason it's a big deal is if we let it be a big deal. But there are a lot of people in our culture that do. A lot of people are, they think it's somehow evil or wrong. That pornography is the the devil's child or something. I don't know. The tool of the devil. And it's not really that bad. If we were just like European cultures, I think we'd probably be a lot better off. Because over there, they're just much more open sexually. They're just not that uptight. Guy over in Germany would just be like, Farrell, I'll tell you exactly what I'm watching any time. This does not threaten me whatsoever. I like to watch uh, women going down on men while they're driving. I like to watch the road porn. Germany, France, Sweden, the Netherlands, all these places are so much more open sexually about that stuff than we are. So, And I think that's just the key. Don't give it the power. Don't let it upset you. But if you are one of those people, you're really conservative, and even though you do watch porn because you, you tell everybody else that you don't and you think it's disgusting, meanwhile you go home, and you watch this stuff and, you know, you do a lot of pause and toss. Um, well, then what you might want to do is be very careful because your information could get out there and people might actually learn the truth. But otherwise, if you're one of these people that just is open, not a big deal. So there you go. It is weird. We are a weird culture, a weird society. Our priorities are very much strange on that topic. We're not at all shaken by real violence real people getting harmed but man anybody that's having sex any sexual stuff whether it's uh, homosexual couples getting married or whether it's people watching other people have sex we just freak out about that stuff that is something that seems to bother this culture way too much well, what about what if the children see it? Yeah, what if the children see people having sex? What if they see and not it doesn't just have to be about sex. What if they see nudity on TV? Well, they see nudity in the mirror. They know what body parts they have. Then again, we have this whole battle in our school systems just to keep sex sex education out of it entirely. And then when we do teach our kids about sex, we tell them, just say no, as if that's going to work. Hey, just resist those primal instincts. Just resist those reproductive instincts that are ingrained into all living creatures. Yeah, go ahead and just say no to those. That's. Meanwhile, let's turn on a let's, let's sit down and watch a movie where seventy eight people are slaughtered in the most violent, bloody, gory fashion possible. But you know, let's be uptight about sex. Meanwhile, I don't think either are a big deal. 
violence or sex. But if I had to choose one or the other, sex, come on, man. Let's just, it's natural, it's normal, it's fun. In most cases. Anyway, whatever. All right, groffshow at gmail.com. That is our email address, groffshow at gmail.com. That's also the PayPal address for this program. Donate because you love us so much. Uh, Michael Groff on Twitter, michaelgroff.com for everything else Michael Groff related. See you next time. It's the one and only zip code famous and unpopular opinion laced Michael Groff Show. See you next time.